right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Drovetta. I am Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We are out a little bit early today, just a smidgen at 5.45 for pregame coverage, KU women's basketball taking on West Virginia. We've talked several times over the last week or two how important this little four-game stretch upcoming is for them if they want to make it to the NCAA tournament. That starts tonight in Morgantown, 6 o'clock tip-off here on KLWN, KLWN.com. We're going to be joined by Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star coming up in 35 minutes from right now. We're going to be joined by David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network at the top of the 5 o'clock hour and kind of gush on some of the transfers incoming for KU football, and we'll hear a little about the women's basketball team with DL as well as the top of the 5 o'clock hour. So last night on Hawk Talk, which you could have also heard right here on KLWN, Bill Self said he hopes that Remy Martin will be back by the end of the following week, but nothing is certain at this time. Now, there was also a quote that um, I want to make sure this information gets right because I know – one person said that he was further injured on the knee because of the court storming. That is not what Bill Self said. To clarify, Bill Self said it did get, like, you know, touched, but it's just tender, but that did not lead to, like, more injury or anything like that. Um, so, again, Self said he hopes he's to have him back by the end of the following week. That is a hope thing. We don't know that for sure, but that definitely, if he's saying by the end of the following week, Means he's out this Saturday against Oklahoma. Yep. If we take that as gospel, which I would trust it, obviously. I, I, I can't imagine he would come back before no. that deadline. And then Monday, Oklahoma State, both those I'm assuming he's out. That means I guess he would be questionable for the following Saturday's game at West Virginia, and even that doesn't sound 100%. It helps. I'll say this. It, it helps that next week is similar to this week in that um, – they will now. It's going to be tough Saturday into Monday to have a two night turnaround like they just did. But next week will also be similar to this week as Derek hits his microphone with his cup. Uh, if you, I'm sorry if you heard that. He's a clumsy animal. Um, but next week will be similar to this week in that they'll play Monday and get in an, almost an entire week. And I'm sure, I don't know what the practice schedule will be like, but I know, you know, after those tur- quick turnarounds, like they'll have this weekend, self kind of gives them if not time off, then a lighter practice, at least a couple lighter practices. So they'll they'll have more time between Monday against Oklahoma State and Saturday against West Virginia. Um, So that helps. I I think also what's helped, I think we've kind of established that uh, Joe Yesifu is not at the moment, he he can score, but he's not the scoring, the, the real super prime scoring threat that Remy Martin can be. Um you know, certainly not, you know, the the form of Remy Martin we saw score 14 in the second half against Michigan State back in November. Um, but it, it helps, I think, as a Kansas fan, 
at least you've seen a second guard come in that can, you know, things not only don't fall apart, but actually go pretty smoothly with him in. Yeah. Um, as far as Remy, you know, whenever he does come back, I don't think it's just, just, just as simple at this point of you plug him and play him. Like, whenever he's back, he's good to go. Because, you know, it's it's not just that he's going to have to ramp back up physically. I mean, we heard from Bill Self last week, he's not practicing right now, right? Yeah. So, it, it's not just that he might have to earn minutes back over a guy like Joe Yesifu, but we saw even with, like, Jalen Wilson, and that wasn't even an injury. He missed three games to start the season. How long did it It took, what, two months for Jalen to get back in the swing of things and look like the guy we thought he was going to be and to feel like he was, you know, clicking on and all he, cylinders? And he was practicing. Yeah, exactly, and he was practicing. Um, Zach Clements broke his toe or, or something like that, cracked his toe. We haven't seen him come back. No, I, I don't know. That might be just because he's, he's still injured. But another example, Bobby Pettifer, yep. he missed, I don't know, a handful of games with his uh, side injury or hip or whatever it was. And since coming and back, he had a bout with COVID somewhere in there too. He did, didn't he? yeah. So he had a couple things of, of reasons he wouldn't be practicing. And when he came back again, like different because he already wasn't playing as much or was as highly esteemed as a guy like Remy Martin. But you know, he has not been able to because before the injury, he he wasn't a starter or anything. But if you were defining who's a member of this rotation, he was one of those guys. He was playing yeah. ten to ten to twelve minutes a night. And ever since coming back, he is not. He's more of an example of that than than Zach Clements because I think Clements um, had even before like he he was getting some rotation, but ne- not nearly as much as Pettiford was before Pettiford had to go and deal with COVID and deal with his injury. And I think Remy is different than both of those guys because you you basically treat Remy as you would a five star one and done. I mean, in that you know now Remy's not going to go and be a first round pick in the draft, but He's. He, this is it. You have him for this year, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and so it's 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 time. I'd be interested to to know. I'd be and and self may have said this already. If he has, I don't know. I I hadn't heard it. But I would be interested in whether or not Remy is doing something like on a bike, like just to keep his lungs healthy. I don't know. Um, one way or the other. But if he's doing something with no that, that doesn't call for any pressure on the knee like an elliptical or a bike uh to to keep his lungs and heart up to up to snuff and in from a conditioning standpoint um i don't know if he is but i'm I, sure he's doing something I, i'd be i'd be interested to hear self talk about yeah, that yeah he he said basically during practice and this was like a week ago so i don't know if this is still the case but that pretty much like during practice he's just with like the training staff and, okay. and stuff like that so i i'm sure they have him doing some sort of like physical therapy or or whatnot it i'm sure all depends on on how that works but the point is like it's going to take him time when he comes back, and you don't have much time. You, you can't afford much time. I mean, we are about a month away from the Big 12 tournament. We are five, six weeks from the NCAA tournament, and if you're already saying he's not going to come back till the end of next week, possibly, where it's questionable, that basically means two weeks gone. By the time he comes back, there might only be four weeks or so till the NCAA tournament, and if it takes time for him to work back into things, for him to click on all cylinders, for him to find the chemistry again with everybody on the court, I I just wonder, like... Perfect timing for him to go (sighs) off in March Madness. It it could be, (laughs) and and I'll say this, like, you know, I think there still is enough time if he comes back in two weeks and three weeks for that to work, but 
I think there is a real question because, again, that wasn't a definitive he'll be back in two weeks. That yeah, was a possible. We're hoping, yeah. We're hoping he could be back in two weeks. And I just wonder, if he comes back too late, and I don't know what the date of that would be, then you have a situation where it takes him time to adjust. He won't even have the chance timeline-wise to truly impact you positively. I just wonder if he does come back too late. How much of a chance will... If things are going really smoothly with Yesifu, how much chance will Self want to take you know that they're you know probably right this moment to see with a healthy a healthy Remy, the ceiling is probably higher than it is with Joe Yesifu. But if things are are sailing really smoothly and calmly with Joe Yesifu, how much of a chance will Bill Self even want to take to disrupt that with a healthy Remy Martin? Yeah, yeah, I I think it's a very good point, and we talked about last week. You know, basically, you have about thirty minutes to divvy out per game. Between Joe Yesvu, Jalen Coleman lands, and then Remy Martin whenever he's back. Have you seen enough from Joe to this point um, that makes you think he deserves to be above Remy Martin when he comes back? And if so, or if not, like what do you think Joe Yesvu has to do over these next? Because now we basically know, like if you were to call this time when Remy's out, like a tryout essentially yeah. for Remy or, or for Joe Yesvu to be um, in the rotation come March. We know for sure it's going to be at least two games longer for Joe Yesifu. What does he have to do to further kind of supplant that down? I'd like to see him score a little bit more. Now, he did have eight points against Texas, didn't he? Yeah, um, he had eight points on three of four. Yeah, so, I mean, he's he's he, he, he's scoring, and, and, you know, that night was very efficient. So, you know, I don't need to see the guy, you know, score 20 or anything like that. Um, but showing an ability to score to create for himself would be nice. But... Honestly, man, I you know just continue the consistency because even though we've seen a higher ceiling from Remy, we didn't see a ton of consistency, and so to me that that's the biggest thing. I mean, if he continues what he's been doing, maybe adds you know a, a twelve to fourteen point game in there, um, and but mainly just maintaining consistency and the offense as a whole continues to be smooth with him as part of it. I do wonder if, if there's a place where I can see Remy really supplanting Joe Yesifu, it would be more when they're just, when they don't like what they want to keep Jalen and Christian Brown on the floor. And, um, they, and Dewan's getting a breather. I don't know that there would, if, if this team is only going, is going to have a lineup that only goes with one lead guard and there's going to be minutes where Dewan needs a break. I think those minutes will go to Remy and not Yesifu. I, I think I think agree, if yeah. Yesifu's on the floor, it's with another lead guard. Yes, and I 100% agree with that. The question to me becomes, will Remy be a guy when he comes back where he can play 25 minutes a game, which is basically what he was doing, or will he come back and basically just be a guy that's playing your backup point guard minutes for maybe 10 minutes in a game, and then maybe he gets five elsewhere, and both Remy and Joe are each playing 15 or is it going to yeah. be that Remy cannibalizes all of those minutes? And I think for that reason, like to this point, I think Joe Yesifu has had more than a passing grade oh, yeah. for how he's performed. That makes me think I would lean toward it being more of a, a split thing between the two. But maybe that's for the best. Maybe all this conversation about not knowing when Remy's going to come back and wondering, because th there is a certain cutoff. I don't know when it would be, but I think we would both agree like, I don't know what happens if Remy wasn't able to come back until the final week of the regular season. You know, at that point, do you basically just say like this isn't worth trying to fit you back in after we've kind of figured things out again? 
Yeah, or, I mean, or getting a look at it if you feel comfortable. You know, now we've seen this team struggle with leads already this season, but if you're, you know, sitting at a time in in the Big Twelve tournament, if you've got a decent lead, but it's not late in the t- game yet, late enough to pull your starters yet, then you put Remy in to see how he looks with the rest of the starters. Um, maybe that there would be a scenario like that, but yeah, I, I eventually, I do think it does get too late, and and for me, it's not it's. It's going to be a combination, and I don't. I can't tell you which I think is more important, but um, it's going to be equally an issue between the flow with the team. W- will the flow with with without Yesufu and adding Remy be disrupted? And then also, what's Remy's conditioning going to be like? Because you can be in extraordinarily great physical condition and still not be well enough conditioned to play, you know, Power Five basketball. That takes. You know, even even guys that don't go to the NBA, these guys are freakish athletes that play at this level in the game of basketball. And so, how much conditioning is he losing by not, you know, by not banging with dudes in practice? Yeah, and I, I think I've also come to a point too where, because this is kind of where I'm at. If if Joe continues to play like he has over these last couple games, then I do feel like. It'll be Remy Martin and Joe Yesfu both playing around 15 minutes a game when they're both back. Um, I do think if Joe Yesfu maybe struggles in the next couple games before Remy does come back, then maybe Remy can have a majority or or basically all of those minutes. But I will say this. I think for a while over the course of this season, especially maybe at points in January, maybe after the Kentucky game especially, there was almost this feeling of, this team cannot reach a Final Four. This team cannot reach its aspirations, cannot contend for a title unless Remy Martin is a big part of it. And maybe that's still true to a certain extent because they still do need, you know, that scoring punch from a lead guard. Like, you still have to be able to, at times, have your lead point guard, the guy who's handling the ball, bringing it up the court, go create a basket for you. And then that's something that he can do. But I also think Joe Yesvu, the way he's played, has changed that a little because he can do some of those things that makes you feel like, okay, if you're getting a combined 25, 30 minutes from Joe Yesvu and Remy Martin, doesn't really matter which guy gets more. doesn't really matter if it's split. Mm-hmm. But I feel comfortable that if those guys are at least combining for some sort of minutes, it is going to solve some of this team's problems. And I do feel like that is going to be enough for this team. Yeah, I that's I agree. Um, I want to add, and this this may feel like one of those things where I'm you know I'm I'm giving a compliment where a compliment isn't necessarily earned because I think that the blowback from this will be well he's just doing what he's supposed to, but I do I think Remy's been in a tough position. I just want to say on air. Like he's been involved from the bench, and that's not an easy thing to do. When you're coming in, when you were, you know, preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year, you probably had ideas of what you thought your role was going to be. Your role was in a difficult spot. You know, you were struggling when you were playing, and now you've been, um, you haven't been playing due to injury. And on top of that, you know, he's he's seen the way Yesufu's playing, so these questions are probably run in his mind. I do just for whatever reason. This is totally an off the court thing. But I do, I, I don't know, Remy is, has been, by all reports, and then from what I've seen on TV, pretty active, involved, and, and, and you know, very vocal from the sideline, which I just, I like to see. I, I, and I think he deserves a bit of credit that for that because it is very easy to get discouraged when you're in the position he's in. Um, 
But yeah, to your point, I, I just I think the the only thing they might be missing watching Yesifu, and this is a big big deal because as you said, you know Texas was a perfect example Monday night of what your options are when you, they take away. You know they they had taken away Ochai to the point that Self just decided to use him as a decoy on, and play four on four um, at the end of that game, and so you know it 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 adds so much to your offense when the defense does all it can to take away a major threat like Ochai and you still can answer with a dude who can just create for himself. And I think that's the one thing that Remy has shown, and he hasn't done it consistently, but it's the one thing he's shown at at moments an ability to do um, that we haven't yet seen out of Yesifu. Yeah, and there's 100% of floor because he can do that. There's 100% of floor for him to come in and play because of the fact that he can be your backup point guard, and that's not as much in the cards of Joe Yesifu. Uh, but certainly, if Joe Yesfu continues to play well, I think there might be a, a little bit of a role for both the players, which might hurt both their playing time, yet both get on the court, which I don't think would even be a bad thing for KU. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, will join us in less than 20 minutes from right now. This is RCST. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek Johnson with Adam Dravetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Jesse, um, we're going to be doing a appetizer draft for the Super Bowl coming up here. So I'm just curious to start off this interview. Very hard-hitting question. Favorite Super Bowl appetizer? Oh, appetizer. Uh, you know, this is like so cliche, I think, probably, but I... It's hard for me to beat chips and queso, mm-hmm. man. Like I think that's a, I think that's a staple. It's, it's hard to mess up and hard to beat. Hey, what's your strategy there? Do you uh, use multiple chips at a time, or do you? So what I've learned is you get a chip, you're you're inevitably going to lose some. So you bring in a second chip with the left mm-hmm. hand to catch the the queso one runoff from chip number yeah, one. Yeah, I want to know more. Are you a pour the queso on your plate guy? Are you a dip straight out of the bowl? Are you a double dipper? Oh man, this is making for riveting radio here. Um, no, usually I'm a uh, uh, scoop with one chip, let it drip a little bit, rush it toward my mouth, and then still get it right on the mm-hmm. underside of my chin on my shirt. So that's that's me. It's not it's not good. It's not effective, but it, it occasionally makes it to my mouth. Maybe I need to study up on some of these other habits and uh, you know take a break from KU basketball <laughs> to look into some of these things that will help me as life skills. Yeah, I want the Jesse Newell uh, chip chip rating system or something like that. Uh, we're talking with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com, here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Um, so actual KU basketball talk here. Remy Martin um, is not going to be appearing, it sounds like, in the next couple games at the very minimum for KU, according to Bill Self on Hawk Talk last night. Is there a date you feel like will be too late? for Remy Martin to return and, and get back in the swing of things and, and still have an impact on this team? Or, like, like would there be a drop dead? Hypothetically, if if he were 
unable to come back till that last week of the regular season. And we've already seen how long sometimes it takes guys to get back into the swing of things. Would that be too late to actually kind of reinsert him back into the rotation? Uh, well, it's complicated, obviously, right? I mean, I think the bigger issue with that isn't going to be game shape then or potentially what you think he can do. It's going to be knowing the plays and how well he'll finish with his teammates and what the chemistry is going to be like when he's in there when he's playing with guys that haven't been playing with him for a while. So I, I, I don't think so. And I think this kind of goes back to our original conversation that it kind of always goes back to, which is what is KU ceiling here? And KU ceiling is probably higher with Remy. You know, he, the numbers would sort of back that up, especially on the offensive end, how he can get out and help them run. And maybe it is a little bit of absence makes the heart grow fonder. But, you know, there's been times this year, I've, I've been rewatching the Kansas-Texas game today, and if you're going to face guard Ochai and just completely not care what happens behind you and play four-on-four, KU attacked that pretty well uh, and played pretty good offense against Texas, but – there are still times where you're looking at that and going, man, I wonder what would happen if Remy was in the game instead of DeWan Harris. Just because, you know, DeWan Harris heads with the corner and his defender heads to the middle of the lane. I mean, that's, that's how Kansas is playing basketball right now. You know, they're playing basketball with a point guard that they know is not going to get guarded um, when he is off the ball, basically. And so those are the types of situations, potential matchups, where you look at this and go, hey, if Remy's healthy and he's ready to go and he knows enough of the plays and knows enough of the playbook and can gain Bill's self-trust, he can really help Kansas down the stretch. Another point I want to make, I do think, again, this is rewatching the first 12 minutes, but KU's offense does look a lot less um, – structured is the wrong word, but it's looked less play-heavy uh, in the last few games. And that's something Bill Self talked about after the Iowa State game. So – that seems like a conscious decision. You know, Bill Self has loved, like, hey, you do this, and you do this, and you pass it here, and you do this. And he's won tons of games by doing that with his teams with precise execution. But the last few games, it's been more like, do these motions and see what opens up. And, and that's always been part of KU's playbook, but they've gone to that more after timeouts, too, and maybe in more of the structured setting. So that is something that if KU continues to do that, that would play to Remy Martin's benefit because – he needs to be a freewheeling game. He needs it to be less structured, less play calls, less to kind of clog up his mind. And if K plays that way, then potentially he can have maybe a greater impact than he would if it's all based off of proper execution. Um, having said all that, you know, you get to the NCAA tournament, and, <laughs> you know, it's hard for, uh, uh, what do they say, What's, uh, it's hard for a Tiger to change the spot. You know, I think Bill Self is going to value every possession, and he's going to want guys to know what they're doing. So I can argue either way on this, but I still think that, Remy will have some sort of role when and if he comes back uh, late in the season, and it sure seems like there are moments and certain matchups when they could certainly use him. And if that's all they get from him, then that potentially still could win him a game or two, and they might not have in, in March, and that's pretty valuable too. So we'll see how it all turns out, but um, that's probably the Remy factor right now. Is can you get him? Can you get him back healthy? And if so, how much can you get him to play freely and within the offense without thinking too much? And I think the answer right now is that's still a possible feat for them to accomplish here later in the season. We were looking at kind of the minutes and the rotation for, you know, all these guys, what they're averaging in Big 12 play. And we, we basically calculated last week, it was, it was something like 26 minutes is what you have left over for the combination of Joe Yesfu, Jalen Coleman-Lands, and Remy Martin whenever he's back. Obviously, you could knock down a few minutes here or there for some guys, 
let's say it's 30, 35 minutes. That's still not a ton to have there. Now, it would be if it was just one guy playing a majority of those minutes, but the way that Joe Yesfu has played of late, and now that we know Remy Martin's going to be out for a little while longer, if he continues to play this way, like what do you think this means for Remy Martin and Joe Yesifu? Could they work in tandem? Obviously, uh, Remy is more of a point guard than I think Joe Yesifu is, but also I, I just wonder if one guy would cannibalize the minutes over the other versus it being more of a split thing. Like, How, how do you see that dynamic playing out? Yeah, I, I think it would just give Bill Self options. And uh, it's tough for him, obviously, to take DeWan Harris off the court. But having said that, I don't think Bill Self wants to play in 38 minutes a game, which is kind of what he's been doing lately. So I, I think it just gives you options at the point guard position where, okay, if this is a game where DeWan's playing well, you can stick him in there, you play him 32 minutes instead of 40. Uh, and then you get Remy in there for whatever, 15 to 20. Maybe that cuts into Joe Yesterday's time. But I think Joe becomes the other guard you play with either Remy or DeWan. Uh, and, and that way, when Kansas is laboring to score or if teams are really picking on DeWan or if he's not having a typical defensive game, it allows you to go to Remy and then potentially Remy and, and Joe and see what that lineup matchup or that lineup um, you know, dynamic looks like in there. But you know, it's not bad for Kansas to have options. And Joe has looked good lately uh he hasn't looked game changing like every like you have to get him in for 30 minutes good but he's shown that he probably deserves a role down the stretch and he's had quick hands he's played pretty good defensively uh, the shots still haven't gone down much but he saw a couple good plays from him you know he drove baseline and found Ochai in the corner for a corner three that's about as good of half-court offense as you're going to run if you're Kansas and like I said he had a deflection off of Texas for a steal and this team's defense looks so much different when they can uh, get after people, and that's happened a lot when Joe Yesifu and, and Dewan Harris have been in the game together. So um, Bill Self loves to play the matchups. He loves to play the, the game-by-game sort of thing. And when you get into March, you would like to have a lot of different lineups that you can go to, a lot of different guys that you can depend upon. So I think it just helps Kansas down the line, probably cuts into Joe's minutes, uh, probably cuts into maybe Jalen's minutes too, or Jalen or, or Christian. Uh, same thing. You know, you can take two or three minutes off of each of those guys and still feel pretty comfortable about them playing, you know, 32, 33, 34 minutes. But you add it all up, and, and you somehow in there get uh, Remy to 20, probably go to 5 to 8, and, and go on down some, and the other guys down some. And that probably makes your whole team better, not having to rely upon those guys for every single available minute that you can get them out there. The question of the day that we had here was, what is the proper expectation for where KU makes it. And we divvied it out between first round exit, second round or second weekend, first weekend exit, excuse me, second weekend appearance, final four national champion. Uh, what do you think is the most likely scenario for this KU team? Yeah, I mean, it's the tournament, right? Uh, crazy things happen. It's probably more to do with your bracket than you. And we have no idea to know what's going to happen in, in that particular aspect. I mean, we can replay the film or the tape here in about five weeks or so and see how silly it sounds, but I think this KU team is the number two NCAA seed, maybe on the verge of a one based off their resume, but definitely a two. That's probably going to be just maybe a touch, at least at this point, overseeded. Uh, they're probably more like the eighth or ninth or tenth best team in the country. So if they get on the verge of that one line, then they're probably doing what they do most years, which is building up a resume that's slightly better than they are. So that gets you somewhere around the Elite Eight game. And 
again, it just depends on who they got. I mean, if you give, if you say KU gets to the Elite Eight game and they have Auburn in that game, KU's probably favored. Uh, so you could probably say they're a Final Four team. If KU gets to the Elite Eight and they've got Gonzaga in their bracket, okay, Kansas is a seven-point underdog, and they're going to really need to do something to uh, be able to hang in that sort of game. So you know I'm going to say this, too many variables, but um, it's, it's what you kind of expect from Bill Self teams over time now, which is they're in the one or two seeds discussion. Their resume is better than their actual team strength. And it depends how things fall in the bracket, just like every other team out there. And if there's some upsets ahead of them, then it absolutely could be a Final Four team. Uh, or if they have the weakest of the one seeds in their bracket, that absolutely could make it there too. So uh, you give those labels to teams, and sometimes it's unfair. Sometimes it's just you get a you get a nice road ahead of you. Sometimes you get a really tough road ahead of you. And, and obviously Kansas ran into that last year with USC. But as of right now, yeah, I think that this team would be favored to get to the Elite Eight and then would – probably not be favored to get to the Final Four if things fell in the bracket like they should or normally would. But you give yourself enough chances and you eventually make it and punch through that door or have one good day and play above your ability a little bit and all of a sudden you're in New Orleans. So that's sort of where Kansas sits for me. And to be in the game, I don't think that's something that fans should overlook either because Bill Self, throughout his history at Kansas, they're always in the game. There's not these off years. There's not these years they missed the tournament. Uh, they're in the game this year and they'll definitely be a – someone to talk about come March because they'll definitely be one of those favorites or one of the people you're talking about to potentially get to a Final Four. The Texas game for me was, you know, I, I don't think the game itself, the loss itself was was a huge deal when you consider it's, you know, top 15 Ken Palm team on the road, close loss where weird things happen in the end. But also uh, some things that happened over the course of the game are things that have been worrisome for this team along the way. So, between KU not forcing turnovers, between KU turning the ball over when they're on offense, and then between KU having inconsistencies with some games where they just get beat up on the defensive side of the glass, which of those three issues that, that came up in the Texas game as well do you think is the most problematic for this team? And which of those three do you think can be fixed the easiest? Well, I think, to me, the the least problematic was the turnovers because um, those numbers are getting skewed because all these teams in Big 12 gamble. You know, they gamble for steals. They gamble for turnovers. They gamble for charges. And if you can beat that, you can get shots on the back end and still have efficient offense. And, and this Kansas game was the perfect proof of that. I mean, KU turned it over on 22% of its possessions. Texas, as a team for the year, has turned teams over on 25% of opponents' possessions. So, I mean, Kansas actually – was right around or even slightly better than what you'd expect against a normal Texas team. But the thing is, if you beat the pressure, you get good shots. Okay, you beat the pressure, and they shot 66% from two and made 39% of their threes. And all of a sudden, you look up, and that's 1.1 points for possession against one of the elite defenses in the nation on its home court. Uh, the three previous opponents that Texas had played at home had scored 51, 51, and 40. <laughs> Kansas scored 76. So the offense wasn't the problem, and I think part of this is going to evaporate once the NCAA tournament starts because Kansas is going to start facing teams out of the Big 12 that just don't put all their eggs in the turnover basket, and, and they're going to take care of it a lot better. Plus, Remy Martin will help when he comes back as well. I would say the biggest concern for me is just the turnovers defensively. It just leads to so much for KU. If they get turnovers, they get transition. If they get transition, they're one of the best there. They get easy points. Uh, but they look totally different when they're charged up and when they're not. And so the seven fourth turnovers against the Texas team that's turned over quite a bit, 
that to me is the bigger concern because the best of Kansas is when they're turned up defensively. Katie was not quite turned up defensively in the long court. We're talking with Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, another edition of Kiss, Mary Kill. On this week's docket, you have Arkansas, who just upset Auburn last night. St. Mary's, who just got upset on their own, but they've done really well. The West Coast Conference and Marquette. Well, I guess I will uh, kill Marquette just because that's what their fans would expect from me this week. They were the ones that were... 22 in Ken Palm, but not ranked on my ballot. So uh, they were after me. They, you know, if you're going to have a, you're going to have a system. My goodness, at least put them in the top 25. But uh, no, I, I think the numbers haven't quite caught up. Chuck is doing great in his first year. This is more than anybody expected of him. But I'm uh, not quite at that level. And so the Ken Palms of the world love Marquette. Some of the other ones out there, the team rankings, Sagarins aren't quite as convinced. So uh, I guess I'll kiss Arkansas. You know, they were a team early in the year I didn't rank in the top 10. I think I had them unranked when they were in the top 10, and it seemed a little fluky, and it turned out to be a little bit fluky. But good win against Auburn. Uh, it seemed like they had three helpers and strikes last night from, from watching that game. So uh, always good at home to get the free throws and rack those up down the stretch. But I think they're a pretty good team, and it's going to be tough for uh, teams to guard uh, defensively just because they can spread it and drive it and have some guys that can get to lane pretty well. So I guess that leaves me marrying St. Mary's. Uh, that is only fitting. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're the rare, small, um, mid-major team that, you know, people think that I never rank mid-major teams. But, hey, the numbers love them, and they've been efficient, and they have one of the top offenses or have had one of the top offenses for a while. But this year, actually getting more done defensively. So I like them, and uh, I think they're one of those teams you should look out for. One of those, you know, second-round ups that just throw in the SBA tournament. That's one of the teams I would pick. All right, here's Jesse Newell. Jesse, before we let you go, one last thing for with Adam. All right, Jesse, one last thing. We know you love Ken Palm. How much longer till we get your own algorithm, a.k.a. Jess New? <laughs> JessNew.com. <laughs> Question is whether it be two S's on Jess or one. <laughs> um, will never happen. Uh, the, the great thing about those guys is they are super smart and know how to uh, code and do all those things that I don't know how to do. So I'll, it just leaves me sitting here pulling up a, a computer screen and being able to basically copy off of them or um, look at their awesome stuff and be able to try to decipher it and translate it for people out there. So, yeah, you're you're like yeah, they, you're like an interpreter, and they're like the linguists. They create the language. You know how to interpret it and bring it to us as people that are asking, "What the heck does this mean?" I've said that a lot. My job is translator. Uh, I, I translate the stats so they can be more accessible. But, yeah, if you're going to pick the smarter person out of the translator or the linguist who's actually creating the language, uh, we, we know who the smarter person out of those two is. I don't know. You're not giving yourself enough credit. He is Jesse Newell, Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Jesse, thank you for the time as always, man. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Jesse Newell with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. One hour down, two <laughs> Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to talk a little superb owl later on this hour, and we'll also have our uh, appetizer draft coming up a little later. Top of the five o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by David Lawrence. Talk a little KU football. Talk a little KU women's basketball. Um, before we get into this edition of Around the World with Adam, check out this story. This will be a good teaser to lead this off. A seven hundred forty thousand euro painting was ruined after a security guard who was sitting there was just bored and he decided to draw eyes on all the faceless figures on his first day at the job at a Russian gallery. 
What a boob. I'm assuming he got fired. That sounds like uh, like it, it's the start. You know, like those movies, like there are a lot of movies about like underdog stories where the guy starts off as like just a worthless idiot who can't keep a job. Yeah. And then somehow like usually it's and a woman. A sophisticated girl. Yeah, like there's and, a woman yeah. and she becomes the impetus for him to mm-hmm. get his life together. Like there was a movie with Simon Pegg called Run, Fat Boy, Run, mm-hmm. where he, he goes from being worthless to running a marathon. Well, there's another highly um, rated this movie feels called like Happy the, Gilmore. Yeah, this yeah, feels no. like a, a film start, that starts of that. Like he just got canned and now for whatever reason there's some impetus for it or he finds out, you know, like he's a dad, uh, Big Daddy, you know, another one. Um, he finds out he's got a six-year-old son. He's, but for some reason there's an impetus for him to get his life together and he figures it out. And so he could be in the the first the first act of uh, of a movie where he's going to get his turn turn life turned around. But what an idiot! Yep. A uh, quick other story because this just came down in accordance with the Big Twelve Conference. The conference has issued a public reprimand and a twenty five thousand dollar fine of University of Texas for its handling of the court storming. I can't imagine the news on Remy Martin made it any easier. I love that though, saying public rec- reprimand. That is that like in the office when. Uh, Michael Scott is like, I have to declaring declare bankruptcy. bankruptcy. Like, I declare bankruptcy. Do, does the Big 12 like send a video to Texas and they're like, you are public reprimanded. What if they have to, like, what if, um, I forget his name. Who's the commissioner of the Big 12? Uh, Bob Bowlesby. What if, like, he has to spank Bevo? <laughs> Bad Bevo. <laughs> Whack. Right. On that note. Around the world with Adam here on Rock Chalk Sports All right, Talk. here we go. We're going to start out in, uh, I believe this is in England. This is from The Mirror. A widow was left surprised after finding out about her late husband's hidden hobby. Now, to be clear, by late husband, we don't mean he's not on time for dinner. We mean mm. he is dead and gone. Um, as he had been secretly filling their attic, what was his, uh, with, with the results of his hobby? I can tell you right now, Derek. His hobby is not anything inappropriate, but okay. what do you think his hobby was? Is it like making puppets? I'm, I'm envisioning a puppet you're, guy. You're not far off. Uh, taxidermy. Okay. Taxidermy. Uh, Animal Ju- puppets. Julie Gitto, 62 years old, paid to have her attic boarded out, and after the workmen started the job, they asked her what, she, what they should do with all the boxes. She had no idea what they were talking about. Then soon they were pulling down a lion's head, a conger eel, a zebra, and other stuffed animals. The lion's head still had its original teeth, Derek. Okay, some of these are, like, very illegal to kill if those are real animals. Uh, she had no idea that her partner, Kevin, had spent years hoarding dozens of cased animals in their attic, which is now being described as one of the most unusual private collections by auctioneers. Julie, from Blaketown near Kidderminster said that I was never allowed into the loft, but after I lost Kevin, I needed some work done All in the right. attic. Okay, wait. That is a clear red flag. You're <laughs> don't go up ha- there. Yeah. She's like heading up to that. He's like, no! Like, you don't go up there. It's one thing. Now, look, she said to me, um, the workman said to me, do you know, uh, did you know there are a lot of boxes up there? I found 12 pieces of taxidermy I had no about, I had, uh, had no idea about. I'm amazed Kevin managed to squirrel them away without me knowing. Um... Julie, hold on. Pun intended, I hope. Julie had learned, had since learned that their son James had helped, oh, no. had helped his dad move the items into the loft so she wouldn't find them. She was aware of Kevin's interest in taxidermy, but had no idea how vast his collection was and went on to find 150 pieces tucked away in their garage 
adding the garage was Kevin's domain and I didn't go in there much. Now, here's the thing. A lot of couples, you'll have a deal where it's like, okay, this is the husband's office. Mm -hmm. This is the wife's office. It's not like it's not like you don't go in there. It's just like he spends, you know, this is kind of his Spot part of the house where he can get away, spend some alone time. This is the 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 other partner's uh, part of the house where they can get away and have their own alone time. That's fine, but if you've got a situation where like you begin to get to like go into their part of the house and they like flip, then you're starting to get worried. Yeah, you know where absolutely. it's like, hey, you know, oh, I, I I need my phone. Oh, I'll go grab it. It's in your you know your office, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, fine, go grab it. Instead of, oh, it's in your office, I'll go grab it. No, I'll yeah. get it. Don't go in there. That's what I'm it's saying. It's where I keep my animal heads. That is such a red flag if, like, she just she just accepted, hey, he told me one time never to go in the attic, and, you know, I listened to him. Like, honestly, she got kind of lucky. She got kind of lucky this is this just all a taxidermy thing, yeah. and she didn't go up there, and there's just, like, a bunch of light. I, I, I don't want to be too dark, but you, you can Yeah, imagine. there's a lot of head, awful right? things that could have been going yeah, on up exactly. there. Um, All right, this from the UPI. We're staying in Britain. A British zoo is aiming to bolster its population of endangered monkeys. And you know how you uh, bolster a population of monkeys, Derek? No. You get them loving so they can have some baby monkeys. And you know what they've done? Uh, The Trentham Monkey Forest in Stafford, England, uh, has uh, hired David Largy to uh, try to uh, help... um, encourage the monkeys to do their thing to make baby monkeys what do you think david largy does what is his specialty that might uh help monkeys get going was he like a monkey sex whisperer he's a marvin gay impersonator <laughs> wait so, okay, so monkeys are just like us uh, marvin i, I gay think gets that's what they're hoping for so he's oh, so they a, don't know this for a fact uh from he's a performing he performs selections from the soul legends catalog including Let's get it on and sexual healing inside the Barbary macaque habitat. Uh, we thought it would be a creative way to encourage our females to show a little affection to males that might not have been so lucky in love. Park director Mike, Matt Lovett said on the zoo's website, females in season mate with several males. So paternity among our furry residents is never known. Each birth is vital to the species with Barbary macaques being classed as endangered. Love it, said zookeepers expect to discover whether the visit had any effect on the monkeys when birthing season arrives in late spring or early summer. So we have to look for a follow-up on that late spring, early summer. So Marvin Gaye, I feel that would be a, a turnoff. Like, first off, you're already in a zoo, so people are watching you. Secondly, there's just a guy singing. You don't know if Marvin Gaye turns on you, monkeys. Well, I guess we'll find out. I think this would be maybe the most important science breakthrough ever. If, if we can if we can calm down jungle beasts with just some Marvin Gaye. Like yeah. Imagine you're you know in the Amazon and you see this big snake or you see big, this yeah, big like yeah. razorback coming at Jungle you. back or something. You just you pull out your phone Let's Marvin Gaye and all of a sudden it just sits down and then it might want to mate with you, though. That might even be worse. Well, yeah, that is worse. Um, but it could also be the start of the real-life version of The Jungle Book, which is cool because I think yeah. we would all love to have animal friends. All right. Uh, next, we're going to Hawaii. This from the UPI. Hawaii Electric Company, acronym HECO, shocked a couple with a bill for over $18,000. Why do you think their electricity was so high, Derek? Hmm... 
I don't know. I have no idea. It's because uh, there's a street light on their street, and the electric company apparently couldn't decide who owns the street light. Is it the county? Is it the city? And they said, you guys actually own it. So they're now trying to put them on the hook for an unpaid balance of $17,860.09, representing years of unpaid invoices because of this. Which invoices they weren't even getting because they didn't correct it wasn't theirs because uh, of of a uh, of a um, a streetlight that they didn't know that they were responsible for since June 2020 Hecko has been reviewing streetlight accounts for streets located on Oahu and found several of these accounts did not have an existing customer uh, the letter to the couple dated January 27th said the electric company said in the letter it believed that the street I can't pronounce the name of the street which the couple lives on, was dedicated to the city and county of Honolulu. But in November of 2020, correspondence, the city denied the street was dedicated to the city. A hecko added upon further investigation, it recently learned that they own the street. Uh, because you own the street upon which the streetlights are located, Hawaii Electric believes that you are responsible for the payment of electric energy supplied to these streetlights. The woman told the news that her and her husband signed a mortgage documents, uh, which did, the mortgage documents did not say that they were purchasing the whole street. She reached out to a realtor who has reached out to the escrow office. We're working with all parties and have spoken with them. Heko uh, uh, Kaloha is the uh, name of the couple. The spokesperson uh, said in a statement, we want to assure them that we don't expect them to pay the outstanding bill. Our goal is to determine who owns the street, where the streetlights are located, so that the bill can be paid going forward. Okay, this is so ridiculous. If if First off, they can't control when the streetlight goes on yeah, and exactly. off, so how they can you expect them switch. to pay the damn that, bill? That's not fair. And now, also, I will say, we just found out at the end of that story, they don't expect them to pay it. Okay, um, but that is good to know moving forward. I'll, I'll say this. I had a uh, similar... Similar but different incident because, like, this is my own stuff. Um, we had a a toilet that had a this this was like a year ago a toilet that had like basically it was it was constantly running water and we didn't realize it. Like, um, basically the flap you know that goes. I, I sounds I I'm very smart with with plumbing if you can tell the flap that goes in the uh, the closed the little hole at the, the bottom hole, of the tank. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like not closing. Yeah, so yeah, the, yeah. the water was just like constantly running. You didn't, we didn't hear realize it? it. No, we didn't hear it. It was in our basement. It was in our basement. So like we wouldn't hear it when we were upstairs. And um all of a sudden, we just get this like we get this letter from the Lawrence utility, whatever, at the end of the month. That's like, hey, you owe like a thousand dollars or something of a water bill. And we're sitting there like, okay, I understand. Like we paid it off, everything. But like the ridiculousness of the Lawrence utility of Lawrence, whatever, whoever runs the Lawrence water, I think it's just the city of Lawrence, to wait till the end of the month to notify us not that this say, problem was happening Dude, so that we would high. have to pay a higher bill as opposed to just being like a week into this or like two weeks into this being like, hey, we noticed some some weird things that are happening. You should probably you check to see if they monitor it until the end of the month. I think this is a conspiracy that they were like, hey, we can get them to pay more money if we wait till the end of the month. I am fully out that Lawrence tried to screw us over. So, Interesting. Um, yes. So I'm on the side of the people not trying well, to I, if, pay if this. I, yeah. Well, I got to say, I'm, I'm, I get where you're coming from. I'm more on their side. I can at least see where Lawrence is coming from in this. I can't see where 
where uh, the, this electric company, if I found out that a street light that had been on for years, that I had no control over it turning on and turning off, and a few years of me owning this house, they stick me with an $18,000 bill and say, by the way, that street light's been yours this whole time, I would be hotter than a red-ass <laughs> hornet. We have time for one more? Yes, we do. All right, this also from the UPI. We're going to Florida now. A Florida kayaker said he picked up what initially appeared to be trash in the water. Soon discovered, we've had a few of these stories, Derek. It was a message in the bottle. What else was in that bottle besides the message? Mm, a toy soldier. Ashes of a human. Jeff Zimmerman of Cape Coral said he and some friends were kayaking on Sunday for in Four Mile Cove. When he spotted the object in the water, it was just kind of intertwined with the mangroves, kind of looked like junk, Zimmerman told WBBH-TV. Zimmerman said a closer examination revealed the floating battle and bottle entangled with a happy birthday balloon contained a written message in someone's ashes. Immediately, we realized that this was someone's intermittent vessel, Zimmerman said. The author of the message inside the bottle wrote that the ashes were the cremains of a deceased brother whose birthday would have been February 5th. If you receive this bottle, please throw him back into the water, the message <laughs> author, the message's author wrote. Zimmerman said he decided not to immediately throw the bottle back into the water because it was too poorly sealed and was starting to leak. The kayaker said he is now hoping to get in touch with the deceased man's family to help them find a more permanent vessel for their beloved relative's remains. Here's the thing. I get that... Um, I get the thought, like, you want to find a more permanent thing so you can put it back in the ocean to put the cremains in, um, along with a little letter. But the the note very clearly said, we want you to throw it back. Yeah. This is the start. Of, this is how hauntings begin, Derek. Yeah, no, this is like... Their when, microwave is about to be flying off the do, shelf because you, of a pissed-off ghost. Do you remember from, like, a year or two ago when somebody cracked open, like, a mummy's tomb? Yeah. And and it was like there was like clearly writing on the thing like whoever opens this tomb like will get a curse of whatever, you know. And they were just like, "Ah, we'll open it anyway." Like, why? Yeah. Why? Don't tempt that kind of yeah. stuff. Get out of here. Um yeah, it's just dying wishes. Throw it back in the ocean. Well, I don't know if it was dying wishes. It seemed well, like it was the wishes the family's of the family's yeah. wishes. So, I get look, it, it's fine if, if indeed now what I imagine is some awful, terrible, creepy stuffs about to happen in this man's home. Then he's going to find a more permanent vessel, and then he'll get it back in the ocean, and it'll stop. That's what I think is going to happen. But I've seen too many scary movies for me to think that that is just going to go unnoticed by the dead guy that he was taken out of the bottle. He's Adam Dravetta. That is Around the World with Adam. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Quarter till 5. We're out early at 5.45 today for coverage of KU Women's Basketball. David Lawrence will join the show coming up next, talking some KU football, KU Women's Hoops as well. We put up our daily poll. Quick update on that. What's your expectation for how far KU goes in the NCAA tournament? 52% of the vote picking second weekend. 30% if the final four 
and then 9% each on a first weekend exit and national champs. Uh, I think we both agreed with that with the second weekend being the most likely, but I don't think a second round exit or a final four appearance would be like overwhelming. Neither of them will shock me. Girl on run at Jayhawk Nana uh, says we, we can't tell how she voted, but from her response, I'm guessing she uh, she voted. She, that's the only response we got. I believe she probably voted national champs because she said uh, this is my expectation every year. I'm guessing she voted national. That is champs. how some fans feel. The Good. expectation should be a title and every year, which is fine. That's that's yeah. part of why KU is as successful yep. as it is because their fans have yeah. high expectations. I and, love that. And I think there's a difference too between like you could expect that every year, but you could still be happy. And not go, "Oh god, fire right? everybody if they yeah, don't." Exactly. As long yeah. as that's what it is, it's fine. All right, we got to get to our Super Bowl appetizer draft. So, uh quick I guess mention of the rules here. You are going to take it's like fantasy football. We're not just doing you take your five best appetizers or whatever. We're going deep here. Uh, it's like positions. You have quarterbacks, you have running backs, receivers. So our positions are you get two dips, you get two chips, one sandwich form thing. One and look, I know this was a big deal on the internet a few years ago. Hot dogs and burgers are counting in the sandwich category. Yeah, I don't, I don't really care. I didn't even think that was going to be brought up, but thank you. Uh, wings, um, so you can get creative with that. Something that's fried. Uh, two different things that are drinks. There's miscellaneous, two miscellaneous categories, which is basically the equivalent of the flex spot, and then one dessert. And you can get as creative as you and, want and with this. With the miscellaneous, you can add something that is not on this yeah. list. Or you can add a third or, or second item that yeah. you've already got. Well, like you have the fried category. You could add more wings if you yeah, really wanted exactly. to. Yeah, um, exactly. So I will give you the first pick. Thanks. The honorary first pick um, in the Super Bowl appetizer draft. Do you want to? So this I don't is really going to be odd. snake this. We'll just go back and forth. Okay. So this is going to be an odd one. Um, I'm going to start off in the drink category because I, um, to me, the most important thing or oh, for, for Forget parties and and uh, and Super Bowl get-togethers and things like that. One of the most important things for me uh, for any meal is making sure I have some Dr Pepper. It's a delicious combination of 23 unique flavors. <laughs> I love Dr Pepper. Derek knows this about me. I absolutely am in love with Dr Pepper, so I have to draft that number one. Okay, I'm just gonna give you soda as a whole. I'll just give you all really? sodas, right? Um, I might pick another soda. Well, I don't want to go like I don't want to get too specific with everything and, and be like uh for a sandwich, a burger with lettuce, tomato, and onion. You yeah, know? but I don't think that's I think I think what I said is more like you yeah, know, a ham like sandwich. Because here's what I'm picking first. I'm picking light beer first. Okay. And if you're picking Dr. Pepper, then I'm gonna have to clarify which light beer and some people Well, you are, don't have to. I'm just telling you, I'm picking Dr. Pepper. Okay. If you just want Dr. Pepper, I'm I won't giving you hold, the option. I, no, no, no. I appreciate that. Okay. But if I will not I will allow you to just say light beer or whatever, um, but like without saying, oh, I want a specific brand of buffalo wings or something okay. like that. Okay. I, I, yeah, I, I'm If fine. you want, that's cutting yourself off a little bit, but um, okay, you have the next pick. Um, so you just said what? light beer. Light I beer. feel like you have to have light beer at a Super Bowl party, whether some people like it or not. A majority of the people are going to want light beer. Um, okay, I'm going to move on. I make a delicious dip that's very easy and very unhealthy. It's just Velveeta uh, with some pour, with some canned chili poured over the top of it, and you heat that up in the microwave. So Velveeta chili dip. Okay, Velveeta chili dip. Um, these are not what I expected to go first off the board. 
I um I'm gonna go to the wing section because I feel like there is a clear drop off between the top wing versus the rest. Mm. That would just be buffalo wings. I want buffalo sauce on my wings. Um, specifically, I'm not gonna have this in there, but get some ranch, get some blue cheese, get a little options for people to dip in. I, I think you have to get buffalo wings. You can have other wings as well. Yeah. Some people don't like spicy stuff, but clearly I think you need to have buffalo wings. They're so good. Yeah. And now you can't take buffalo wings. I know. Yeah. But I got Dr. Pepper. <laughs> really, that's all I need. Uh, you have the next pick. Um, I am going to, uh, so I love sandwiches. Now, can I do like a, would it be not, would it be too vague if I said a cold cut sandwich? Would I, would you need a specific no, type of cold cut? No. So sandwiches are my favorite food along with pasta. So do you want like one of the the massive ones, you know, that you bring I in don't, and they're all cut I, up? I don't or care. The ones that it, it the mini be, sandwiches around in a circle on a tray. It, it'll be it'll be more like the mini ones in a tray. Okay. But it can be a, it can be a hoagie if you want it to. Um, but sandwiches are my absolute favorite food on this planet because they are um, they are simple in concept but very diverse in possibilities. I love sandwiches, so a cold cut sandwich. Okay. I'm gonna put this up for a poll and see who wins. I think I'm dominating early on. Oh, I'm sure you are. I'm just <laughs> I'm going things by I want with what I want. I don't care That's what fair. other people want. No, I, I I love all these things. I'm I'm picking them for me, but you know, I, I think I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go into the dip category. There are a lot of great dips. How could you not pick queso? Queso mm. is, is just such a classic. There's another dip that I really want that I hope I get, and I might have to take it next round, um, but queso is classic. I'm going to have to take this one because I'm scared that you're getting into dip. Seven-layer dip. That's a really good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, I'm out that of was dips. on my short list. That was on my short list. Yes, unless you want to use another dip in a miscellaneous yeah, I, I might, category, I right? might, I might. But okay. I, I um, yeah, seven-layer dip is the way to go. I am afraid that I'm going to lose this dip if I don't take it. So we're going all dips here. I'm going buffalo chicken dip. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I, my roommate, my senior year at KU, which the Super Bowl that year was the uh, Patriots-Seahawks Super mm -hmm. Bowl. He made good one. he made an out of control buffalo chicken dip. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna move on. I need. I hope this isn't too specific, but I need um, Frito scoops for that chili uh, Velveeta yes. dip. Yes. So Frito scoops is my first. You want me to chip. just give you Fritos? Sure. As a whole. Well, yeah, but nobody's using just Fritos, you know, to dip in because they're weirdly shaped. But yes, Fritos scoops, Fritos, yeah, whatever I'll, you want to give the me, scoops and just Fritos. whatever. Um, but yeah, those are great. I, uh, Fritos are actually like, um, so I'm going to pick tortilla chips here because I think tortilla chips are yeah, very like more, important more to have the with standard. queso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But I will say like, if you give me some Fritos, I'm going to be kind of mixing and matching between the Fritos and the tortilla chips with what I'm dipping in the dips, but you can't go wrong with tortilla chips. So I will take that. I'm going to finish off my chip category with some, some, uh, regular kettle cooked potato chips. Mm, yeah. You can't go wrong with those. They're good to dip. Very good to dip because so I've they're, never they're dipped sturdy. Kettle cooked potato chips. Well, it's like cook, it's like dipping any other potato chip. They're just they're sturdier. That's fair. Okay, so I can wait on my next chips. Um, I think that I mean you could take them in miscellaneous, but I'm gonna hold off there. Oh man. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go back to the drink category. Mm? I'm gonna take craft beer. Okay. So I have light beer, so you have light beer, and I have craft beer. So you have if you Miller, like beer, you have Miller Light here. and Take Seven. Yeah, exactly. I have all the beers. Now I am a little worried about the lack of um, diversity. Mm -hmm. If you don't want Man, beer, yeah. you're kind of screwed. 
But maybe I'll take one in the For the record, every time I come over for something at Derek's house, I always stop by a gas station on the way there to get two bottles of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, I'm going to the uh, fried items. Mm-hmm. Potato skins. Yeah, that's a good one. That is a really good one. Potato skins are awesome. I've never personally made them, but, like, you can get some really good potato skins. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am going to go back to the drink category because I want this and use it as a miscellaneous because I, I just want some, I don't know. I, I guess I should ask. Is this even count on there? Water? I think that should be a given. We should we should okay. say water is a given. Water is a given. Well, if so this I, is I bingo, water is the free space. Yeah, okay. So I don't have to worry about that. Um. Man, I love, I, I don't know how much most people love this. I love spinach artichoke dip. Oh, yeah. I'm going to take spinach artichoke dip in the miscellaneous category. You got a couple solid dips. Honestly, I like spinach artichoke dip better than buffalo chicken dip by a little bit. I like both a lot. Um, but yeah, I'm just glad I got it. Yeah, I have three dips. Queso, buffalo chicken dip, spinach artichoke dip. I have all the dips. I have tortilla chips, so we're good to go. Um, all right, since you've taken all the beer, I'm just going to finish out the drink category and, um, I'll add Mountain Dew because mm. that's basically what I like other than Dr. Pepper. Okay. Mountain Dew I, and I Dr. Kind Pepper. Of, uh, my, my, my drink enjoyment is that of like a 12 year old gamer, <laughs> hmm. which okay. is funny because I don't play video games. I'm going to go back to the miscellaneous category and I am going to take pizza. Ah. Listen, pizza isn't really an authentic appetizer, but if somebody brings pizza to the Super Bowl party, you're happy. Everybody's eating it, yeah. right? So I'll, I'll go pizza in the miscellaneous. Um, I'm going to go a little odd one on the miscellaneous, and I'm going to do mac and cheese. Mm. So there are certain appetizers that you have to have a fork and knife, which 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 always isn't great, but some items just surpass that, and you're like, I don't care. Yeah. And you'll deal with having the plate and eating it and stuff, and mac and cheese is always delicious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, buh, 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 man, this is tough. There's going to be a lot of good things left off the board. I'm going to go to the fried category, and I'm just going to dominate the wings category. I'm going to take boneless wings. What kind? Well, if I have to pick, um, I'll I'll switch it up from the buffalo wings, mm-hmm. and I'll do honey barbecue boneless wings. Okay, I'm gonna do uh, buffalo boneless wings. Okay, for your regular I wings, feel like I'd like to have something boneless flavored. Okay. Okay. Should we wait? What about like ranch and blue cheese? Should we have had those as? Dips? I think that's like water. That's just a given. Okay, yeah, because you just, have wings. Yeah, I agree. You know, everybody okay. can have all your dips, ketchup, and I agree. Or your your regular sauces, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so right now you need um, a miscellaneous and a dessert. I need a chips sandwich and dessert. I will take my sandwich right now. I'm gonna go with just burger sliders. You can't go mm, wrong with burger sliders. Yeah. Okay, so you need a. Dessert and a miscellaneous. Miscellaneous going with chicken tenders. Yeah. Can't go wrong with chicken tenders. Okay. Um, I should probably take a dessert so I have the first choice over you, though. I'm not sure there's that much of a drop-off between one and the other dessert, at least that I can think of. So I'm just going to get the other chip out of the way and let you take the first one, and I'll be a coward about it. Can I take Doritos? Sure. chip? Do I have to clarify which type of Doritos? I mean, my favorite are Cool Ranch, but it's it's your world. I'll just pick Doritos. Okay. Can't really dip them as much. I don't think they work out as well. I mean, you can, but they're more just for snacking. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's your dessert? 
This is a tough one. I I don't want to. I don't know if I should go creative or go creative. Because you're probably going to say something like brownies. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to say so. This can be a communal dessert if you make enough of them. I'm going to say cannolis. Get like a dozen cannolis. So I have. I need to hang out with more Italians. Apparently, I've never had a cannoli at a Super Bowl party, but I like cannolis, so I'm all for it. Um, I will go with. No, you know what? I'll, I'll be a little out there. I'll go cupcakes. I think cupcakes are, are more of a celebratory event. Like brownies are great. I, mm-hmm. I love brownies. Cupcakes, you can't have them all the time. Brownies, you could really just make and, and have whenever. Cupcakes are, are specific. I'll go with cupcakes. All right, I'll put that out on our Twitter account. Give us a vote at RCST1320. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Joined now by David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Um, David, I wanted to talk some KU football with you. Also get a little brief moment in KU basketball at the game tonight, which you can hear here on KLWN. But before we get into the transfer class coming in, which I really want to focus on, uh, just the, the freshmen, the, the class coming in as a whole, and I guess if you want to include Tavita Noah, the, the JUCO transfer coming in, that's fine as well. Um, what do you like coming in from, from that class of things, the non-transfer portal guys who are going to come into KU this year? I think they were position-specific, Derek. Uh, getting some people uh, plugged in to where, you know, their needs are going to be in a couple of years, you know, maybe not looking as much for um, immediate help, but what they can do in the future. Um, and, and the other thing, before we talk about the transfers, is who we recruited to come back to Kansas that's on our team which is what, you know, every team has to do now. You've got to recruit your current players. And I, I thought Lance did a great job with that. Uh, it just compare, you know, what we lost the previous year and compare what we lost this year to the guys we have coming in. And, uh, you know, that I think we came out scoring or batting a 1,000 right there. Um we have our best offensive lineman return. We had, you know, our entire starting defensive line with the exception of Kyron Johnson. So we're going to have veterans at the line of scrimmage returning. Um, that's going to be leaders on this team. And I, I wish the guys that, you know, we lost some, a couple of really good athletes that just never quite figured things out here at Kansas. And thus, you know, I don't know that they would have played. And that's what's good about the portal. Um, it, it, people, for whatever reason, just doesn't work out at a particular place. And it, you go somewhere else with, um, you know, everything's fresh. Um, there's no memories of any anything good, bad, and you got a new opportunity, you know, to, to make a name for yourself and, and, uh, new coaches, uh, personalities, maybe check better. Um, just like the landscape of, of the college for whatever reason. But, uh, I really think, uh, that the, you had some callers that were asking to talk about these transfers. There's reason to be excited. I mean, they, that they have a tremendous upside and I'd love the people that we have coming back 
next year that were on our team. I mean, you talk about guys that you really want is the guys you already know that fit in and perhaps could have um, either left football or transferred somewhere else, but they elected to come back here. And so there are going to be immediate leaders on this team. And you already know exactly what you can get from them on the playing field. So, um, you know, Leipold just continues to, to make great moves. And uh, I'm, we're going to be better next year. Uh, how much better, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, there's a lot of things to be excited about with Kansas football. And as we dive into that transfer portal hall that KU has coming in, uh, I think the headline for me might be the running backs, which you have coming in with Savion Morrison and Kai Thomas, two really talented guys, former four-star recruits. How do you think KU goes about utilizing and keeping all that running back room happy? Because that's that's three really talented running backs with Morrison, Thomas, and Neal, and that doesn't even account for, you know, I don't I don't know what the status of Tory Lachlan will be because his injury came so far into the season, or if he would move back to receiver, or a guy like Daniel Highshaw. There's a lot of talent in that running back room. How do you think KU goes about utilizing all of them and, and keeping the room happy? Well, I know one thing is, and I'm not sure exactly where Lance stands on this, but we have a Hall of Fame basketball coach, and you know what his thoughts on that is? It's not up to him to make them happy. <laughs> it's up to those guys to make coach happy in order to get playing time. Uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be crowded at the beginning, but uh, we know from that position. I think we lost three guys uh, throughout the course of the year, so everyone knows we need multiple running backs you also have the ability to you know run some of these guys in the slot um have a two-back system so there's just tons of potential right there uh but we'll, we'll figure it out they'll figure it out and you know some may not be happy um but that's just that's just part of it and you know top teams that's what they have you know there's a ton of basketball players that could be starting elsewhere, but they elected to come to Kansas and fight for a position and fight for playing time. And uh, but you, you have to pay that price to be part of a, a winning team. And I think Kansas is going to be a winning team. But let's dive into, first of all, Kai Thomas from Topeka. You love the fact that you've got another Gatorade Athlete of the Year, a Topeka, Kansas guy. You know, top recruit out of the state, you know, back-to-back years is what we'll have in that backfield, a four-star running back. And what really jumps out at me is, you know, he's a guy that has, you know, been a proven player for a winning team, MVP in a bowl game for the Gophers, um, 826 yards. But he's a, he's a polished running back. I mean, he's got great vision. Uh, he sees things so well and can make decisions on the move. Uh, and he can also step up and take on a blitzing linebacker. He proved that over and over again. Now, we'll tell you that he played behind a tremendous offensive line, and he benefited for that. And I think Kansas' offensive line is, you know, they improved uh, immensely throughout the season last year, and they're going to be better next year. Uh, but, you know, you have to look at those things when you're looking at that tape. The other running back, Sevion Morrison, he's uh, Tulsa Edison High School, 
tremendous long strides. I mean, there's a reason why he was recruited by virtually everyone in the Midwest. Um, he makes cuts full speed. He's tremendously fast. He's elusive. He is so long for listed at six foot. Tremendous burst. Uh, I was kind of trying to find out, you know, what went on at Nebraska. The 2020 season, he was playing with not only uh, COVID, but he had quad and hamstring injuries, which certainly can put a damper on your career. So Savion's got a tremendous upside that he hasn't really seen in college yet. And it'd be great that he can get healthy and have a, you know, fresh start here at Kansas. But those two running backs uh, are, are something to be excited about for Kansas in the future. We're talking with David Lawrence here of the Jayhawk Radio Network. Um, I, I think, like I said, those guys might be the headline, but I do think the most important additions that KU made were at the linebacker position. And I don't really know what to consider Craig Young, because by all accounts it sounds like he's going to fill into the role left by Nate Betts, which I don't really know if that's considered like a defensive back, a safety, or a linebacker. But essentially for this purpose, when you bring on Eric Gilliard, uh, an experienced guy from UCF who was really good against the run in his time at UCF, Craig Young, who sounds like he is just this ultimate athlete, it seems like KU is, is kind of transforming a position that was a bit of a weakness last season. There's no question about that, that we have to get better at the linebacker position, and that is that has been a, a glaring uh, weaker area for Kansas the previous two or three years. But Gilliard is uh, very different from Young. Um, Gilliard is a guy that seeks out contact. Um, I don't know where they're going to put him, but you know he's a guy that traditionally in past years will play more on the inside, uh, that he's going to take on anyone and everyone. And one thing you notice when you watch UCF tape is after he makes contact with a running back, they do not fall forward. And that's just something that's frustrating. You know, when you're calling the games is, you know, how many times the running backs, you hit them for an opportunity to stop them short of the first down, and then they fall forward for the first down. And and that's just simply something that doesn't happen when uh, Eric Gilliard is uh, playing linebacker. Um, made 18 and a half TFLs in his career there, about 200 tackles. He's a polished, very physical linebacker. Craig Young is the kind of guys uh, that Ohio State and, and, you know, the top programs, the Alabamas, uh, Oklahomas will get. Uh, his, his video uh, at Fort Wayne High School in Indiana it's just overwhelming in what this guy can do. He's six foot four, 223 pounds. He runs a 10.800 meters. Play, he ran back kickoffs and punts in high school. He was a wide receiver in high school. I mean, he's one of those guys that can literally play anywhere. Um, he was the champion in the entire region of Indiana and the 200 meters. So I think sometimes those guys struggle, and I don't, I don't know, you know why he didn't have more success at Ohio State. A, we know Ohio State gets a lot of great players, but sometimes those kind of people have a difficult time just settling into a, a position because they can literally do anything. Um, 
And there's good reason why he thinks that because with that size, with that speed, um, he, he really can. Uh, so, you know, where he fits in, he can he can play defensive end, he can play linebacker, he can play outside like Betts. He can move to offense, play tight end, play wide receiver. Um, but he'll have to settle on something because, you know, he's got a couple of years left and, you know, he wants to be productive. But he, he's a very um, interesting, exciting player uh, just because he can he can do it all. And there's just, you know, not a position that outside a quarterback that he couldn't find success in some way, somehow. So very different from Gilliard, who's more of the collision guy. He, he's honestly the guy I'm most excited to see, I think, upcoming in the spring game, if if he's going to be there for that. But regardless, I'm I'm really excited to see what he can do to, to add to the defense. Another guy who's going to add to the defense, Lonnie Phelps. And you lose Kyron Johnson, who was your top pass rusher on the team. Now, Lonnie Phelps actually comes in with more production in terms of the stats and career sacks and everything on the defensive line. Obviously, it's different for Kyron because he wasn't always playing on the edge there. Uh, but does Lonnie Phelps immediately come in, and do you view him as, as the team's best defensive lineman? How do you think he impacts things for the KU defense? Yeah, he's different in that you know he has had proven success where he's at. You know, all these players, for some reason, they weren't as successful in college. And, and they're looking for another place to have success. Lonnie Phelps is probably just looking to take his tools, toolkit and, and take it to a higher level. Um, Miami of Ohio, he had 13.5 TFLs, 9.5 sacks. I mean, that's all conference type. He was second team All-Mac last year, and he is a Kyron Johnson type of a player. But, you know, he's, got, he's a guy that we don't really have to wonder, you know, where he's going to play or – if he can do it, uh, because he's proven he can do it at a pretty high level because the Mac is, is just a, just a shade under the big 12 conference. So it'll be exciting. And the fact that, um, literally you can have a Craig young on the other side and all of a sudden your pass rush capabilities, you know, and Kywin was that last year. So it's not like, you know, we, we need to fill that void, but, uh, Craig young could be on the other side to, to, give Kansas something they didn't have on that side. But Lonnie Phelps is a polished product, and uh, I guess he would be the, the one that's easier to predict because he absolutely did it at a pretty high level last year. Kalen Gervin also adds to the defense a corner. What do you like uh, out of the kid coming over from Michigan State, which I'm sure uh, Scott Oligo had a nice little uh, inside on in terms of what he could bring to the team when he brought him on? Yeah, didn't have a lot of snaps. Very difficult to watch tape of uh, Kalen at Michigan State. You know, I went down to his high school, and um, easy to see why he was one of the top high school players, you know, out of one of the biggest states in uh, in the country. I mean, it, it, he was rated like in the top three or four. Uh, he's very athletic. He's very physical. He makes plays on the ball. Um, he, he can get up and you know, compete for the ball with wide receivers. Uh, he looks even bigger than the 5'11", 190 that he is uh, listed at. But we just don't know. We don't, you know, I don't know, put it that way. Um, you know, uh, Michigan State's a good team. Um, 
but you know didn't have a lot of snaps, and that's of course why you look for a, a place to to take your game and find out you know what you can do there. But uh, I'm excited to see him because we know he can do it. He did it at a very high level in a high school in Michigan, so we know he can do that. I assume he's healthy, and it'll be exciting to see Kalen Gervin uh, kind of, you know, be a an added touch to a secondary that returns already a lot of tremendous athletes. Is Nolan Gorchika the? I, I don't know if I'm totally pronouncing that right, but the the offensive lineman coming in from. Buffalo. Is that somebody you look at as more of a long-term player that you're bringing in and he has the body and the frame that you can eventually see him playing, or is he somebody that you think could could plug and play right away? It's a great question. Um, you know, it, it, you got to go back to his high school tape. Um, in high school, he played he played defense, uh, so he showed a little quick titch, quick twitch uh, there, and he also played basketball, which I always really like it when an offensive lineman play basketball. It just shows you an athleticism. Uh, Out of Omaha, Nebraska, tremendous size. And and I'll bring uh, Max Dowling in with that. He was at Buffalo, but just starting out his career. Uh, But he's a 6'6", 225-pound tight end that, you know, you never know. He could end up being an Earl Bostic. You know, an athletic kid that, you know, gains a lot of muscle and strength and, and moves to an offensive tackle position. I think both of these guys uh, have tremendous upside because they're six foot six. Uh, Dowling's smaller, but he's also younger and grow. Uh, Dowling, the tight end, he had an offer from Pitt. So he's um, certainly an athlete that uh, can catch the ball. And uh, he can be a physical blocker. There's no doubt he needs to get bigger and stronger. But uh, he's got more time to do it. Both of those kids, Dowling and Gorsica, is, uh, are, are younger guys. They have a, a longer time that they could improve themselves and get ready. And, yeah, they don't have to play now because, you know, their calendar is, is such that they could be here for three, if not more, years. All right, we're talking with David Lawrence here for a few more minutes. Um, K Women's Basketball plays tonight on KLWN, pregame 545, tip-off at 6 o'clock. This is a big stretch for KU. We've kind of set the target number. Can they get 9 or 10 Big 12 wins? And we feel like if they can get 10, they'll be comfortable to get in the NCAA tournament. Well, uh, these West Virginia games are going to be pretty important. They have two of them upcoming in the next three, including tonight. Uh, how important is this game, and, and what have you liked about the KU team this season winning their last three games? Well, uh, you know, I think they're closer to 50-50 games. Uh, the, the, the season's very backloaded with its strength. Um, and I will also say with that that this, this Kansas team can beat anyone on its schedule. Uh, there's been years where, well, there, there, there wasn't many teams that Kansas women's basketball could beat. Uh, this year, you know, you don't have, uh, I don't think, a national champion contender. You know, I think you had a lot of really good teams. Iowa State's the best of the bunch. Baylor's been annihilating people. And Texas is going to be awfully upset coming back here after we beat him in Austin. But we can beat Texas. We can beat Baylor. We have Baylor down by, what, four points with just seconds remaining and just a 
just a very difficult loss. And, and the reason why Kansas can do that, they have a six six athletic big, Tanyana Jackson, and, and she's still raw, despite the fact she's played two years of college and a junior college. You know, she is long and six foot six, and she's got tremendous feet. And she's got a lot of things to improve upon, certainly her ball skills and not turning the ball over when she has it inside. But she's got a very quick first step. And, you know, potential all-conference player. Um, I think she's one of the best matches matchups for Aoka Lee because that'll be the next time the fans can go out and, and catch these uh, ladies. Um, that'll be the Dillon Sunflower Showdown, 6 o'clock on Saturday. It'll be a tremendous game, maybe the best matchup between KU and K-State in a decade. Uh, it'll be worth the price of admission watching Tiana on Aoka because Tiana had like eight blocks in the first matchup, although she had too many turnovers. Another person to look at is Ioana Hatsi-Leonti, who's a six-foot foreman that has tremendous skills, and she's just been battling injuries and the COVID issue, and of course, you know, coming over here from Europe and adjusting to the uh, to the U.S. game, but and, the, and then of course, you know, the guard play that the Kansas has uh, that they've always had the last couple of years, and, and be able to knock down shots from the outside. So it's going to be an exciting finish. Can't really answer, you know, do we get enough to get the NCAA? We've already qualified for the NIT. But it's going to be exciting because you got literally a chance to win each and every game. So uh, I'm excited about it, covering the game on Saturday. It'll be a doubleheader. What a way to spend a cold Saturday afternoon covering Kansas men and women's basketball. He is David Lawrence. You can hear him on the Jayhawk Radio Network. DL, thank you so much for the time as always, man. Always great to be on with you, Derek. Thanks for having me. All right, that was David Lawrence of the Jayhawk Radio Network. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it.